to get physical, to basically attack. Yeah, and then it was a right. it was a, a communication of, of how did that feel or why yeah. or this and then yeah, you understand it right yeah post intervention after the mm -hmm. intervention itself and then we would ask various questions like what were you thinking when that happened what were you feeling emotionally when that happened what were you feeling physically when that happened Hello, welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. My name is James Cox, and I have a special guest back with me today. This is Chief Senior Grandmaster Dr. Gerald Chavez from the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. Now, Kaji Kimbo with the M uh, sometimes can be a confusion with, with people who don't understand Kaji Kimbo with the N. And uh, uh, the late Ali'i uh, Donald Nahulewa, uh, when, before he had passed, left you in charge of this organization, the American Kajikembo Association. And we've done great things, man, through right. the years yeah, and the decades. Yeah, I appreciate everything that you've done for me, sir, for our students, and, you know, worldwide, man, just, just the things that, that, that you've been able to do with your lifelong martial artists. I mean, I think you, you've been doing this for how long now? Uh, I started in 1967. Yeah. Yeah, but you were not 60, born. Was it, yeah, yeah, that's back when the world was in black and white, right? Oh well, yeah, we used to fall off the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just your martial arts and all the things that you've done, you're also a, a psychologist. I'll let Correct. you say a little more about yeah. that. And, and I really like how you get a little deeper into the, the, the thoughts and the feelings and you know the ways that, that we can add empowerment and just a better understanding right. of life, right? So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because uh, Senior Grandmaster Sam Allred, who was my teacher, uh, he uh, he had his master's in psychology, which is really interesting. Oh, that is yeah, interesting. he had his yeah. master's in psychology, and it was interesting. His master's thesis was on music and psychology, and my doctoral thesis was on music and psychology, wow. and we never even discussed it. It was a very interesting wow. story. But anyway, so when I started uh, in 1967 at West Mesa High School, he was a science teacher. And it was really interesting because he, being a scientist, being a martial artist, and I think being a musician adds a different passion to the way people view the world. And, uh, and so he sort of started me on the right foot, me and a lot of my colleagues, you know, on the right foot. And uh, he would even sort of dis, you know, describe things in ways that sort of opened it up broader than just mm -hmm. fighting. So there's yeah. really yeah, a lot of scientific a lot sort of examples. Stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's somewhat similar to Grandmaster Jay Berkey's uh, yeah. uh, interpretations of it. And so when I uh, started doing martial arts, and tournaments were okay, I can't say that it really sparked me. But when I started understanding more about street self-defense and sexual assault self-defense and domestic violence self-defense, that's when I thought, wait a minute, this is where, this is where my passion is, is understanding it mm -hmm. better and more clearly. And so. Uh, Mr. Ard would always have us do, uh, in those days they called them women's self-defense classes, and so we would teach cheerleader groups and nursing groups and people like that. And I started to realize the need, which was a real need, a day-to-day -day need, which now is continuing to be there. And so I started teaching, uh, I moved to San Francisco where I was playing uh, music there, and I met uh, my Wing Chun teacher, Grandmaster Chris Chan, and he was amazing teacher and the style of Wing Chun which I was introduced to by uh, Grandmaster Eric Lee back in 1970 and I started to realize well this is an art that I that really I can take to and I understand more clearly and it was also invented by a woman and uh, the name Wing Chun means beautiful springtime and so applying Wing Chun 
which is an art that doesn't require a 250 pound mm -hmm. you know, samurai to do. And, uh, and so it was a very practical, applicable art. And so I started to use some of the theories and constructs of Wing Chun, combining it with Kajikembo into understanding and educating myself more in, uh, in the idea of sexual assault, self-defense, domestic violence, anger, things of that nature where people were dominating, coercing, and attempting to manipulate others. And so, and realizing that some of the people who were, I would be teaching were not going to be martial artists. They would not, you know, be in a club like yours and say, I want to be an MMA fighter or a full contact fighter. But they wanted to defend themselves. And so that's when I started to incorporate very closely uh, the idea of the psychology of the aggressor, the psychology of the person defending, and the dynamic between the two. And so when I, 1984, I, I was hired to teach at a psychiatric hospital. And, and we would do a lot of really intense interventions with sexual abuse survivors, where I would pad up gear and they would literally come after me. Wow. And so we would do a lot of, after the, the fight, and they got to do basically whatever they wanted. I, I really learned to fight then, okay, yeah. and that was very intense, because um, they meant it. And, uh, and then we would process afterwards, which leads us to what you were saying a minute ago. Once you've, once you've reached your limit on your emotion, because emotion does not go from zero to 100 and stay at 100, it goes zero to here, to there, to here, and eventually mm. will come back down. So what you do is in the process of that, when they started to escalate emotionally and they were exerting themselves and they would get really tired, at that point in time, and they said, okay, I need to stop right now. That's when the processing would occur. So you you allowed you guys had basically study psychology of allowing these um, uh, people survivors to, survivors to get physical to basically attack, yeah, and it, then it was a right. it was a, a communication of, of how did that feel or why yeah. or this and then yeah, to post, understand it. Right. Yeah. Post intervention, after the mm -hmm. intervention itself, and then we would ask various questions like, what were you thinking when that happened? What were you feeling emotionally when that happened? What were you feeling physically when that happened? Depending on how they were abused, this would we would talk uh, about that aspect of their where it was happening in their body because wow. that, that's that's a very heavy thing. Yeah. So certain times I would not grapple with them because that was the too what much occurred trigger, to them. Yeah, yeah, too much. And then, uh, but we would allow them to do whatever they wanted, and um, and so we were now dealing with the dynamics of their physical self. They're em because emotions are locked in the body, and that unlocks them. And when it unlocks them, you don't quite know where that's going to go. Some were medicated. Some had meltdowns afterwards. Some felt free afterwards. So it depends. We were fortunately in an environment, a psychiatric environment, where we could keep them safe. So we never had anybody. You know, and at that time, insurance companies were a little more uh, creative and allowed us to do that. Yeah, they don't allow right. that too much now, yeah. unfortunately. But uh, so that's what really sparked my interest and understanding uh, of yeah, that's deep. Yeah, sexual yeah. assault, self-defense. Yeah. That's my second book I wrote um, was on that in particular, which is my approach to sexual assault, self-defense. But a lot of that, a lot of the information I garnered from seeing that and working with survivors of sexual assault, domestic violence, even street violence, and I thought, okay, there's something more to kicking and punching. Hmm. There's something more to it. What's the psychology of it? What's the physical dynamic of it? What's the, even the cultural differences? 
you know, I've taught on on in the res on so reservations. I mean, yeah. So what are the things? So many questions, but that you found the most. I mean, uh, as uh, after for the res from the result of that, the thoughts and the feelings, and you know, the communication on what they were feeling, what was going on. Well, it's interesting because my my theoretical approach to therapy is called cognitive behavioral therapy, and that came about about 1970. Uh, person by the name of Aaron Beck and uh, Dr. Beck, he realized that behavioral therapy was really good. Behavioral therapy was, you know, if a kid touches a stove, you teach him how not to do that, or you, you know, the old Skinner box stuff where they would, you know, mm -hmm. train rats right. to do so. Anyway, so there's the behavioral component. And then uh, Dr. Beck thought, well, wait a minute, there's thinking going on here. It's not just a behavioral thing. So behavioral was good, but if you combine the cognitive with the behavioral, in other words, within the cognitive and the behavioral, in the middle is something, that's emotion. And so emotion will be, uh, it'll be generated from a thought. So if you get a distorted thought, like that person doesn't like me, we don't know that or not. Let's say with road rage, okay? That person doesn't like me, and or he tried to run me off the road and kill me, so now I'm going to, I'm mad, my action, Thought, emotion, action. My action is to run into his car with my vehicle. Based off a distorted thought. Distorted thought yeah. moderates an emotion and a behavior. Moderate meaning determines the direction of it. It determines the direction of an action. So if, if you have a distorted thought, which often happens, a distorted thought with us, we do that all the time. You know, there's magical thinking, distorted thinking, uh, cognitive dissonance and all of the stuff. and Sometimes we look for the things that match how we feel, because if we can find the thing that matches how we feel, even if we feel bad, we feel better about that emotion, even if it's a bad emotion. No, I, I justified yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I felt great after I got angry. I, I vented. I got it out of me. No, you didn't. You're wearing handcuffs right now, buddy. Uh, right, <laughs> how right. are you feeling better? Your arms broken. <laughs> exactly. You're in jail for a while. Yeah. yeah. So yes. Yeah, so not to get too much into the weeds with it. But uh, for example, when I talk, when I'm teaching my classes, or some of the things I hopefully will integrate tomorrow into our treat, uh, training, is whether you're training, whether you're in a fight, whether you're in a match, whatever, if your thoughts are not in control, and you're, remember the three levels of learning in Kajakembo, primitive, mechanical, spontaneous. Primitive, animal fighting. Okay, that could get you someplace. Not bad. Some good street fighters or animal fighters, right? Uh, primitive mechanical is your kids who are learning good forms and doing all these things, but can they apply them in the street? Not till they become a spontaneous fighter. Spontaneous fighter is a combination of our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors working in unison, just like this yin and yang around my neck. It's, it's working in a balance. And that's what I try to do when I teach, to understand where the person's coming from. If I know the physical limitation, I, I, we start with that. That's the easiest thing to deal with. Do this exercise. Modification. But what are you thinking when you do it? Just like that's why meditation is so powerful for people. If you could learn to get rid of what we call monkey mind, okay, yeah. and your mind isn't going every place, because you'd change some really good fighters. If they're not directed on that fight, they're going to lose that fight. Right, right. Because the thoughts are now in, we're in control of our thinking, which controls our emotion, which directs and moderates our behavior to be our best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mindset and the shift. Exactly. And, right. Yeah. How do you, um, 
Oh, that's so interesting. How do, how do you teach people to defend themselves <clears throat> without fighting? Uh, so it's, you know, it's based off communication and clear thoughts. And you're always so calm, man. And I've, I've, I've known you for a long time, and we've done a, a lot of things together. Um, the, the story when we were in Mexico City on the, the, the oh. fake call that you had yeah. of, of somebody saying that they had your daughter and they were going to kill sister, her. My sister, yeah. Or, or right. Yeah, yeah. And through that whole thing, I mean, you were, you were so calm and in control and things. But anyway, so, you know, a lot of, like you said, a lot of people don't want to or, or, you know, why would you fight if you don't have to? The art of fighting without fighting, right? right exactly. So well, what, what is the correct communication? Well, is the communication, that? well, that's the great question. You start internally. In other words, if you internal the negative, you own it. If you don't internal the negative, that person saying these things to me, if I own that, it is now mine and I have to deal with it. When you're confronted with a situation, let's use that situation where the person uh, said he kidnapped my sister, the first thing I do is I breathe as deeply as I can. I make sure that my shoulders aren't trying to hide in my ears. That's right. Because if the physical self takes over, look at an angry person. What's the okay. first thing you see? Mm -hmm. Fist clenching, yeah. teeth clenching, all of this. Look at a cat. What's the first thing that happens? Yeah. Okay. And so that could be more fear-based than anger-based, but still the bottom line is an emotion that we're not in control of. But we learn to control that. So the second something is happening, and this is good for people. You're sitting in a, and I'm writing a, a, my fourth book right now on anger. And it has a lot to do with sitting in a traffic jam with traffic all around you. You can't do anything. Why is everybody honking their horns? Mm. Yeah. Distorted thought. Nothing yeah, is going to change. It didn't change, right? Nothing <laughs> is going to change. Okay. And so, uh, in, in, so starting with myself, never internalize the negative. Like you don't go into a match saying, that guy's going to kick my butt. Right. You just yeah, internalized yeah. a belief system that you're now going to hold on to because you said it and now you're trying to manifest it. So no, I've trained, I know what I'm doing, my teacher's behind me, I'm gonna direct everything into this one direction. I'm not gonna be blind and I'm not gonna be scared, I'm gonna be centered. The second that happens, even the person you're dealing with will sense it. You know, Mr. Allred, when we would go out, when we were fighting in tournaments, he would say, don't make eye contact with your opponent before the match. If you're gonna shake his hand, shake his hand politely. Don't give him anything. Mm -hmm. And when you're fighting, always look at the chest. Never look at the eyes. You're looking at the eyes. If there's fear, he's gonna sense it or she's gonna sense it. <clears throat> you're looking at the chest. Now they have no idea you're a blank slate. As they say at Tabla Rasa, you're a blank slate. They don't know who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that's why and you, you got element of surprise. Plus element. you're focused and in control. Exactly. And right. You yeah. give them, you telegraph nothing. Yeah. Yet you're you wasting energy too, doing you're those waste, other things, right? Just focus on your job. You know? you put good point. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're wasting energy. That's right. <coughs> so physically relaxing, um, having clear thoughts, right. and um, trying to eliminate or at least less uh, negative thoughts, right? Yeah, exactly, yes. Because yeah, you're still going to have them. Right. And, and negative thoughts, I mean, that's interesting because that's under the category of distorted thoughts in many cases. Like, I'm no good. Or, you know, like the kid who says, I'll never be as good as, yeah. as that kid who could do the, the helicopter kick. I can never do that. No. Well, that doesn't matter. I mean, you do what you, ma you maximize what you have. Like, uh, you've met uh, one of our black belts, uh, Mrs. Abeta, who yeah. is a six degree 
86 years old. Still trains with everyone. Five days yeah. a week. Mm -hmm. She shows up. She stumbles. She may fall. She may do this and that. And she just trains and trains. That's it. You know, and so it's real important to to follow your heart and bring your brain along for the ride. Okay. Because <laughs> you, know? you want to do that if you feel it. But you've got to think about what you're doing. And so one day she may call and say, you know what, I can't make it tonight because this knee is really hurting. Great. She's using her brain, mm -hmm. you know, but she hasn't stopped training. So that's a really important component of that. And we have a long line of people we've, you know, from our, from our club who mm -hmm. are very proud of have done a lot of things like right, that. Yeah, right. Right. And our system, mm -hmm. and yourself included. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's powerful that, uh, you know, everybody, we, we could all use a little bit more mind with the body <laughs> and yeah. the, the understanding, you know, uh, of that. I think we just kind of will tend to just focus more on the physical and, and lack the mental. Right, exactly. And it's, you know, one real uh, popular guru from the 60s, his name was Muktananda, and he used to say that his one bit of advice he would always give everybody was, Learn to get rid of what you don't have. Learn to get rid of what you don't have. Meaning these things that we think we have or that where we think we're weak, we embrace them and they become who we, how we see ourselves. So if you don't have, you know, so learning to get rid of what you don't have means I'm gonna start every morning with that tabla rasa with a clean slate. Mm. That's how I'm gonna do it. I have other things backing me. I have my training, I have my, you know, when I had my fake shoulder put in, this is all titanium. You know, my training never stopped. Matter of fact, it increased because I knew mm -hmm. I needed to make up for lost time on this. You know, as a 71-year-old person, you know, every every birthday I ride a bicycle for the amount of years I've been on the planet. So this September will be 72. Not the brightest thing to do, okay? <laughs> but it's how I challenge myself. And the only limitation you own is the one you've made. Yeah, there's yeah. no other limitation except the one you've created. Yeah, you tell me you're you're 71 years old, man. I don't. I don't I 85 don't maybe. It. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope that I can um, be as youthful and healthy. And I mean, look look at the average person your age and and their conditions, yeah. right? No, I yeah. I I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a few friends who are walking around and say funeral expenses. That's awesome. Well, man, we're here for the weekend, um, and yeah. you're going to be teaching. I really appreciate that, man. You bring good value to our students, and it's, it's a blessing for anyone that can step on the mat and, and have a class, um, you know, taught by yourself. And so uh, I appreciate that. We're going to hang out, have a little little, little dinner banquet party. And, it's going to be know, a great time. time. One so, of my six yeah. degrees, Don Slack, came with me, and He's Don's just a good got, guy. Just, we had we had some good experiences. Just got his travels. knee surgery, so he's got a new knee. That's part of the the, the you know be, being a martial artist is you end up with new yeah, body parts. Right, it's really right. cool. And yeah. uh, and tomorrow uh, we'll be doing some Wing Chun Kajukembo. You know, economy of movement, economy of uh, technique, and uh, practical, applicable fighting, and then combining it with all these other stellar teachers you got here. Yeah, yeah, right. They put together a good package. Mm -hmm. It's going to be it beautiful. It is, and the variety and the different experiences. So many of the people will say very similar things, but in different ways. Oh, exactly. And then you might have two students who it went over their head, and then two others that got it because the other person said it right. well, differently, yeah, the yeah, connection. Right. Even Bruce Lee said if you get eight fighters to see one fight, they'll all have a different remedy. Yeah. 
Right. That's right. what you'll see tomorrow. So yeah, it'll yeah, be fun. Definitely. Well, uh, Mr. Chavez, I appreciate everything as normal. And um, you guys are you're pretty easy to find in Albuquerque, New Mexico, oh, yeah. around yeah. there. And um, we'll continue to do what we're doing with the American Kaiju Kimball Association. It's going to be yeah. good, man. All Thank right. you so much. Thank I you, sir. It. I appreciate Thank it. You. Yes, sir. Right. Thanks, guys. Bye.